So, fellas, I don't know if you were watching Jeopardy on Friday like I was, but question came up about the condiment that normally goes with buffalo wings. The first answer to the, well, I guess it's the first question to the answer. Right. Was ranch. And then someone answered correctly after that, blue cheese. Mm-hmm. And uh, I checked Twitter to see if Twitter was in an uproar, and it wasn't, but I posted about it, maybe started a thing going. I'm not sure how many people in Buffalo watch Jeopardy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a uh, you know, very intellectual show. It's a little, it's a little bit above, yeah. above us. So it's yeah, a little highbrow right. for the people of Barilla. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I watch it to try to get smarter, mm-hmm. and I don't, I'm not sure if it's working all that well. Right. But it got me thinking, you know, we're nationally known to, be, to, have, to have this flavor, right? The hot sauce and the blue cheese. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we were talking, we were thinking, what if, what if we go out and we make buffalo style a thing? Right, anywhere you go. Yes. This this occurred to me in uh, October when I was in Portland, Maine, which is, you know, if you don't know, a very like foodie city. Very yeah. very like always has a couple of restaurants make the, like New York uh, Times and Food and Wines list of like best restaurants in America. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yes, uh, I would like the tuna tartare, but can I get that buffalo style?" <laughs> now you may be thinking you may be thinking, well, there's already the buffalo wing. There's already the the buffalo style sauce, right? No, that's not buffalo style. It's it's a variation of buffalo style. But I I, I would like to think, guys, buffalo style is more of like a mindset. I I would like to expand the soaked in Frank's red hot and butter to things beyond food, like you know, like like if I was interviewing somebody for well, a like job, a sweatshirt. Well, it was like a sweatshirt. Like or, you could go work out in a Frank's drenched sweatshirt. Yeah. Okay. Buffalo style yeah. cigarettes. Right. Yeah. Buffalo style cigarettes. Yes. AirPods. I like it. Ties. For yeah. Like for like if you're going to like a black tie event. Yeah. Just soak your, your bow tie. Yeah. In Frank's Red Hot. And when they're and serving like, like stuffed mushrooms or something <laughs> fancy, you can just squeeze a little bit of Frank's. Or just on. rub it right on against your, your, your necktie. You could do that. The Bisons. I have this hat, by the way. They did a blue cheese and wing hat a few years yeah. back. It's pretty, pretty tight. So uh, yeah, I remember that. Yep. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's so if you're you know Buffalo style Ortolan is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, you're, if you're an extreme gourmand, yeah. right. Um, so well, make it extra extreme. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah. Buffalo styles. Just level it up. Right. So I think we're proposing to have a Buffalo style club, much like the uh, the Diners Club back you know right. in the '60s, much like yeah. the Buffalo Club, and and I th- <laughs> but better, <laughs> maybe a little bit. Buffalo in the style of a little Buffalo. bit, a little bit less exclusive, and yeah, right. I don't think so. But have a little club. We can create a little pin, and when you go to a restaurant, you point to the pin, right. and, and then they automatically know, right, to give you whatever you ordered, Buffalo style. Right. I like a ginger ale, Buffalo, Buffalo style. style. Now, obviously, you don't have to point to the pin in Buffalo. They know mm-hmm. when you go other places when you go abroad, like Erie, Pennsylvania, right. Buffalo, Buffalo style. style. Uh, speaking of Erie, Krispy Kreme donuts. Uh, Buffalo uh, style. Speaking of uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, I saw somebody who posted on the Buffalo sub uh, that uh, they live in like Fort Erie, and their favorite place for wings is like a Quaker steak. And now there's none in Buffalo, so they they will cross the border, drive through Buffalo, and drive all the way to like Erie, Pennsylvania to go to Quaker steak to get wings. Are you 
Good, good. We do not want that person here. That's right. terrible. I do not want that person here. <laughs> when I was in college, I'd go to there for their all-you-can-eat wings, mm-hmm. and then I think they got mad at us. We started getting fewer and fewer wings that re- as the night went on. Yeah, that, well, that reminds me of when— uh, Back when I used to be able to eat more than, like, five wings in a sitting. In high school, I was I played football. I was on the offensive line, yeah. and all the offensive linemen, we would go to Ponderosa for, like, the, the all-you-can-eat buffet. Pondo. And— uh, and and we'd go to the the historical pondos, and uh, and they would like they would see us walking in like all these giant fat guys, and they'd be like, uh oh, uh oh, batting down the hatches, right? Like the the one, we're working the, overtime tonight, guys. The, 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 the biggest guy, the biggest guy of the team was like six eleven, like four hundred pounds. Oh my and god! And they saw him walking in, and they were like, uh better make the mini tacos, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> So, but can you imagine if it was all you eat, all you could eat buffalo style. Now that's what yeah. buffalo style mini tacos, buffalo style uh, frozen custard. Oh hell yeah, dude! That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Buffalo style rescue pets, right? Buffalo style Paw Patrol. And welcome back to the Buffalo Style Square. We uh, we're kicking it here in the snake pit as per usual. We got Ree. We got Snake, who's pumping Renegade and doing it Buffalo style. Yeah. Oh, you're pumping. <laughs> All right, <laughs> much like uh, Byron Brown and Diamond Jim. Yeah, that's, that's another thing. We should have like Frank's pumps like everywhere. <laughs> right. You go to a ball game. They got ketchup. They got mustard. Mm-hmm. Frank's pump. You're right. That's a great idea. Right. Yeah. Get that rid of fantastic. get rid of the hand sanitizer pumps. Yeah. And just buffalo put- style hand sanitizer. Yeah. That'd be good. Yep. Oh, that's good. Yep. You know, you were talking about the blue cheese versus ranch. I gotta say, blue cheese in the rest of the country is really bad. That's very true. Yes. Like, I for a long time did not know. I I you know, true like, buffalo Ken, style. Ken's is the bare TV. minimum, right? Ken's? That's like the bare minimum. Ken's is the bare minimum. The yes. stuff that you get from the salad dressing packet, yeah. right? and it's fine. Yeah. But it's not good. Yeah. So we are truly blessed here to have good blue cheese. Because yeah. I get it. I get it. If I was in a fucking blue cheese desert, I would mm-hmm. also opt for ranch. I'll say it. Mm-hmm. I'll say it. When I was in college, even you know, in the mythical land of Olean, uh, all we had was like Ken's blue cheese, and I was like, mm-hmm. ah, okay, it's better. I mean, it's better than using ranch, but you know, could be better blue cheese. Yeah. Well, we are um, we're talking about the news, guys, because you know stuff happens. We barely read it. I barely read it. Jim reads it more than I do. Yeah, we, we haven't talked about the news in a while, and I'm learning ta- to read. We're all learning to read here. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about the news in a while. We, you know, we we love getting mad about it, mm-hmm. so. Jim, today we starting off with things that we are mad about in the news. Byron Brown, write him down. <laughs> Your mayor and mine, number one emergency crisis snow removal expert, Byron Brown, says, you know what? Can't do it all on our own. I think we need somebody else. I think we need to appoint somebody to see what we can do about the snow. I I all I can think emergency about emergency response about like the response to snow with Byron Brown is why men great till they got to be great. I, I think I think Byron Brown also played on the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> he was supposed to be holding us down, but he's holding us back. Byron, Byron. So Snake, you put me hip to this. Byron, Byron's um, uh, he's looking to a point what, like a snow well, czar. Well, I think an, an emergency response coordinator. 
of some sort. Well, there. So he and the and the Common Council are, are different on what this position should be. The council, the, the Common Council, and Byron Brown, Jim, are believe it or not, they're at odds. Oh, not not these <laughs> not these guys. I know. It's and, just, and it is guys. Just as a reminder, in the second largest city in New York State, we have. No non-male representation in the common council or in the mayor's office. You have to get to the controller's office to find that. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you know, if you're upset, we're still talking about the blizzard. Uh, sorry, it happened. You know, we're we're dealing with the fallout. We're dealing with it was it was a historic blizzard with a historic failure to respond. Yes, yes, it was a historic failure to respond. So, well after the fact, now we have Byron Brown saying, "Okay, I'm going to create a fleet director position to." oversee who well, I feel like is just a position for him to shuffle off the blame when something like this happens. Right. 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 And, and like, it's a deflection strategy. Right. It's, I, I have to do something because I fucked up so bad. Mm-hmm. So I'll do the bare minimum, which is create a fleet director position just to be like, Hey, but like, they're not going to empower this person or he wouldn't empower this person where he was able to actually make a fleet director position to no. upgrade the fleet. It would just be like, by the way, Six percent of the fleet doesn't work. Well, the way I understand it is, they're pay- the city of Buffalo is paying the, the the plow people, the the Department of Public Works workers, way lower than the county and the state, and so they can't get contractors, they can't get permanent employees. It's, it, I think that's where the real problem is. But well, I, I don't know. I think there's a I think there's a multitude of problems, sure. and they all they they all should fall at the feet of. The mayor, yeah, because he's. It's not like it's this is his first term. He's been mayor forever, and like I said, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this, his whole campaign was, "I know how to handle stuff. India Walton doesn't, so make sure you elect me." And he doesn't know how to handle and, a goddamn thing. Well, Mitch Nowakowski is taking him to task on this. So, the mayor is saying, "Hey, we need to create a fleet director position that oversees police, fire, yada yada. Basically, like another bureaucratic." position to me it's like there has to already be somebody in that role currently yeah, yeah it's called the commissioner of dpw right yeah th- th- right <laughs> that's what i'm saying like you already have somebody at overhead you already have somebody in that role currently whether or not they're doing their job well A six-figure job position mind you that right. he's proposing right yeah right. yeah probably as as a it's just a, a safety net for ulysses wingo in case he loses his primary yeah. this year mm-hmm. right so he wants to create another position that is just overseeing them, which means nothing. Because, again, like you said, that's just DPW, um, Department of Public Works. What else are you doing? Versus what Mitch Nowakowski saying is, hey, this is an emergency. We need an emergency manager position for when there's a fucking emergency like this blizzard. Like like the county has. It's, yes. it's Danny Neverth Jr. is the county's uh, mm-hmm. like emergency response coordinator. Right. And right. he's got a full time job. And like, you know, that doesn't mean when there's no emergency that like he's just sitting in the wrath building, like playing, you know, 2048 or whatever. <laughs> like he's, you know, he's pre- getting prepared and, you know, being maybe getting creating ready. a plan for a blizzard, perhaps yeah, yeah. creating a plan for a blizzard yeah. or other things. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, like, you know, now that like we saw what happened when the Trump administration cut all the funding for being prepared for a pandemic <laughs> one happened uh, we weren't prepared whoops uh, and so like and that's what like when byron brown's like well we don't plan for blizzards because they just happen so irregularly like well the federal government plans for pandemics they happen about once every hundred years and they're still like hey maybe we should plan for it i don't know if you noticed but it's pretty fucking disruptive when it does happen yeah. when we had mitch on last time he was pretty fired up about the snowpocalypse in november yeah so i can only imagine his 
level of rage. <laughs> uh, maybe that's not the right word if I'm doing you injustice there, Mitch. But I, I can assume he's pretty upset. And the residents of his district should rightfully be upset at the city's response. Um, did you guys see, I, I think it was Jeff Kelly who shared it, that video of yes, the, the DPW garage back in October. So, listener, let me paint a picture for you with my words, shall we? In October, meaning before the first snowpocalypse in November, before the blizzard of 22, simply a gross, nasty rain-ish storm. Uh, the DPW garage, where the public works vehicles, you know, your plows, your, your whatnot, um, are housed. This garage was... Which is also your control center for these type of emergencies. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh there was holes all over the roof. There was leaking. There was rain coming in. It looked like it, what you looked at when you seen that video, it looked like it was in the middle of the snowpocalypse in October because the upkeep of the, the building in the it, garage well, was so poor. It, it was because it was, it was rain. So you would have thought that there was a, you know, a fucking tsunami hitting Buffalo. Yeah. And instead it was like Tuesday rain. So this is a historic building. It's a, it, it, a municipal gathering space, I think over a hundred years old, right? Mm-hmm. This building used to host events, a lot of history behind it, but you know, it's left to rot. Mm-hmm. It, the city took it over as their barns uh, and in an effort to centralize their operations, they moved everything there. I don't know that in a big blizzard like this, having a central location where everything is stuck is the best strategy. Maybe someone should look at that. So right. They I mean, had 40 of the 60 plows available for the fucking blizzard. Right. How are you not? I mean, in a, in a building that's falling apart. Yes. Like, how are you not all hands on deck? Like, how do you not have every piece of equipment that you can operate available? Well, part of it is, as as Snake mentioned, is that they're not paying competitively. So, like, it's probably tough to get all your stuff up and ready to go if you can't hire employees because you're paying such garbage. If you know, like, if the guy at Lasertron is making more money than your mechanics. Um, I think that's a tough thing. I do think that they should hire Yukon Cornelius as the uh, I think so. emergency manager. Is, I think so. Uh, if there's anybody who knows how to yeah, handle severe weather. They'll really take control of the situation right. the next time. It yeah, it's, uh, maybe uh, they could put like little red noses on all the plows so that we can <laughs> get around the city. Yeah, and again, like we are just so woefully behind literally every other municipality and pretty much in upstate New York. I mean, Syracuse, obviously we've seen uh, videos of them having like the little sidewalk plows. Yeah. We don't have that shit here. Uh, Rochester, much better equipped for this. We are, we're we're lacking, baby. They caught us. They caught us lacking. And uh, and it's not like we're known for snow. I mean, it's, it's, it's it's a pretty unusual thing to happen in Buffalo. It is. Uh, Any amount of snow. I mean, even this, this past week where like it just snowed like two inches like the city did basically just didn't respond, you yeah, know, nothing happened. like, you know, like on like Thursday, it snowed a couple of inches and the city was just like, well, it'll melt. It'll always that's, melt. That's Jim. the strategy. Right. That's, if you, On a long enough timeline, there's ne- there's always snow, never snow. Snow will almost always melt. Yeah. Right. You just got to ride it out. Right. All right. Speaking of the blizzard, because it, hey, it fucking happened. Uh, shout out to. Uh, Friend of the pod, low voltage in our Discord for this story, bringing bringing it to our attention. The National Grid Transformers, not like the cool toy Transformers snake that I know. I love, I love. You like to, you like the Michael me, Bay, me Grimlock, yeah, Bumblebee, mm-hmm. all those, all, all all your friends, yeah, those are my friends. Uh, uh, yes, 
Well, I we're not talking. I still play with them in the bathtub. We're not talking about your friends. Okay. We're, we're, next to the toaster. <laughs> we're not talking about the robots in disguise. Oh, hold on. Should we you want to tell that story quick for context? No. <laughs> no. If, if anybody wants to know more about that, join the Discord and we'll talk about it there. That's a great, that's okay. a great point. All right. So during the storm, uh, I'm pulling this from WGRZ here. Uh, National Grid shows how Buffalo substations froze in blizzard, resulting in power loss for thousands. So basically what happened is this is unprecedented for them, by the way. Um, Pulling from the article uh, that they had. So, yeah, I'll I'll read from the article here. Um, We're now learning more about the challenges of power restoration during the Christmas weekend blizzard. National Grid is explaining why its electrical substations in Buffalo went offline and left thousands of people without power for days in frigid temperatures. The usual images of weather caused power problems involved fallen trees and fallen power lines. But with the full fury of the Christmas weekend blizzard, another unexpected power problem confronted National Grid, leaving the utility firm's regional Western New York manager, Ken Kujawa, to say, I've been with this company for 30 years, and this is the first time we've ever seen this. Always a good thing. When the guy who's been there 30 years is like, yeah, it's the first time for this. Um, all right, let's see. What are they saying? They're talking about frozen transformers and some of the 40 or so substations the utility uses to step down its flow of electricity from the grid for use in homes. So basically, it's like a circuit breaker. Kajawa says here, just like a circuit breaker in your home or a fuse, it's a protective device. And if an abnormality is sensed on your system, that protective device kicks in to protect the equipment in your home. The same here on a larger scale. What if the abnormality is you just have Renegade playing on loop? So, you know, it's like it's like when the transformer kicks off in your house and you got to go flip the switch. Mm-hmm. So National Grid had to do. Yeah, except they couldn't because it was frozen solid. It's frozen solid. Can't flip the switch. It probably mounts of snow surrounding it. Right, yeah. It's... Yeah. It, 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 Impossible to get to, and then when you got inside, it it just you know was it looked like an ice palace. Pretty, it looked pretty crazy, you know. But national, hey, listen, we're talking, we're comparing emergency responses here. National <laughs> Grid, those fuckers were out. They were out in the streets. They were up like doing like twenty four hour shifts. Uh, a market. We talked about that in the in the big blizzard episode, Jim. But yeah, a, a marked contrast from what we saw. From the city of Buffalo. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the utility companies, like, they they must have a fleet manager. That must be where Byron got right. the idea. Yes. Yeah. Is that they have a fleet manager. It's also Yukon Cornelius. Yes. And <laughs> uh, they were ready to roll. All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to put the blizzard behind us until another convenient story pops up for right. us. So, moving on into the wide world of politics. Mm. We talk about that sometimes, guys. We get a little political every now and then. A little political every now and then. We, you know, we 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 scan the newspapers. We 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 read the Twitter feeds, mm-hmm. and and we distill it all for you here because we love you. Exciting news for friend of the pod, Brian Nowak, Cheektawaga, current Cheektawaga town council member, Brian Nowak, Jim. Yes, received. Uh, he was endorsed by uh, I think about seventy percent of the committee for the supervisor's race this year to be the Democratic nominee for supervisor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if he wins, we are poised to be the official town media outlet. Right. Yep. Eat that Cheektawaga For Cheektawaga. Right. Now, this is not small potatoes by any means. I mean, look, supervisor positions generally are 
pretty big deals. You know, like this is the, this is the person in your town, Randy Hogan in Hamburg, um, significant for Hamburg and kind of make the operations run. Uh, our our friends in Chitawaga, you know, we we think they deserve better. We think uh, Brian Nowak is is the kind of guy to do it. Right. He might be too good for them. He might be too good for them. But no, you know uh, what? People in Chitawaga are, are good people. Well, it's not like it's you know Elma. Well, <laughs> we're not talking down on Chitawaga. We're just talking up Brian. Right. You know. Yeah. But no, he's a fantastic candidate. Now the current uh, uh, town supervisor, no, I don't believe, is running for re-election. Is not running for re-election. But there probably will be a Democratic primary. I mean, there was there, it was a contested vote. He didn't get a hundred percent. It wasn't unanimous. So it sounds like Christine. The other Adams thirty, act. the other thirty percent voted for UConn Cornelius. Jeff. Right, yeah, it's, it's, everybody's voting for UConn. UConn twenty twenty four, baby. Yep. Uh, no, I know. I I think it's Christine Adamsack was the other candidate, and anticipating that uh, that Christine will run uh, in the Democratic primary. You know, I don't know what kind of minor party lines. I assume you know the Republican Party in Chicago, while not winning a lot generally. Um, has been more resurgent lately in the last couple of years. They did pick up a council seat that they won with the Republican line, um, and nobody frightens them more than Brian Nowak. Um, so I expect that the that the Republican Party will try to run a candidate. Um, we'll see. You know that's that's swimming pretty hard upstream in Chicktawaga, but you're right. Town supervisor is a big deal, and and you know like you know like Brian Culp on Amherst, Chicktawaga is a giant town. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Chicktawaga, it's one of the biggest towns in New York State, you know, that's the, as far as population-wise and size-wise, uh, uh, for a municipality that's not declared a city. It, as just a town, it's one of the largest in New York State. It's very important. It's often considered one of the political bellwethers for statewide elections in, in New York. Uh, I think that this is, this is huge that, you know, Brian Nowak gets the endorsement. And you, yet, you know... I don't know what his long-term goals are. I mean, I know his immediate goals are win the supervisor's race. Uh, but your town supervisors, that is where your bench of candidates for other offices often come from, you know, especially something like countywide offices. Yep. So stuff like this when you're like, hey, I, you know, we want more good people in politics. Uh, this is the kind of success story that you want to point to and say, hey, Brian Nowak, pretty much in line with, you know, all my values, I very much in line, with, apparently, with a lot of the people at Chitawaga's values, and now is making some waves. Well, well Brian clearly works for the people at Chitawaga. He's yeah. a good government politician. He, he is. Yeah, but it's, it's, it is, it's remarkable that, like, you hear uh, a lot of times from, you know, like, Jay Jacobs or, like, Kathy Hochul and, and that wing of the Democratic Party that people that are, are further left in them aren't electable. Well, you know, Brian was, like, a founding member of the local DSA. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's a vowed democratic socialist. Uh, he endorsed India Walton out in Chictawaga, you know, but he also, he's a volunteer firefighter. He's a hard worker. He's a blue collar guy that doesn't like, just because you might be further left than Kathy Hochul, which is very easy to do. The stack of napkins here is further left than Kathy Hochul <laughs> doesn't mean that you can't be somebody that people respect and want to have represent them. And even a working class area like Chictawaga will respond. You know, Brian, the last council race, not only did he win re-election to the council, he was the top vote getter. 
The Republicans thought, oh, we're going to get we're, we're going to paint this guy as a commie and he'll never be able to show his face in Chicktawaga again. And he absolutely destroyed the Republican Party. Preach. Well, but what he did and I agree with all that, Jim. And what I think is even more important politically anyway, is that he was wise enough to work within the machinations of the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people who are left of center whether you call yourself socialist, communist, what have you, uh, you want to throw out the baby with the bathwater with the the party apparatus. And you say, well, the Democratic Party is so corrupt, bereft of morals, values. I don't want to even deign to be part of that structure. Uh, you're locking yourself out, man. You are, listen, you know what they say, if, uh, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're being served on the menu. So you... By not participating, and this is like the overall you, not a specific you, Jim. I know you too. But if you are like, hey, I don't want to be part of democratic politics. It's all nasty, blah, blah, blah. They fucked over my favorite whoever. Uh, Okay, then you will not have a seat at that table. You'll have no say in how things go. Brian Nowak, I'm sure there are plenty of times where, you know, maybe there were things he bit his lip and he didn't want to do or he you know showed up at a fundraiser where he didn't really want to be at or wrote a check because he didn't want to you know I, but he, I, I but he did it i think there's something to be said to build something outside of the current party apparatus i, I think, think there's there, something to be said but there is I, but you have to do both but you, you have, have to, to do, do both. both you have to do both you have to do both so what i'm saying is a candidate like brian nowak who founding member of the dsa like somebody you would not expect the democratic party to get behind 70 percent of the committee endorsed him like that means he did something right within the structure, understood the power structure, and navigated it deftly. Right, yeah. Which you have to do. I mean, it's a combination of uh, of him understanding the committee structure and making sure that he made inroads with the committee. And then also, like, there are probably some people who, you know, he, maybe he's not, like, a personal friend of, and he hasn't worked super hard to get their their loyalty on the committee. But they do look at results and go, holy shit, this guy kicks the shit out of everybody. He's probably our best candidate. I mean, right now, you know, with being the endorsed Democrat and as heavily Democrat as Chicktawaga is, if you are betting, Brian is the heavy favorite to be the next supervisor of the town of Chicktawaga as a DSA member. If he decided to eschew the committee and not work within, he wouldn't be. He, w- he wouldn't have got the endorsement, and then he wouldn't be the favorite. And the party ever has to be working against him. Do I expect that the party apparatus will be going out of their way to do a lot of work for him this year? Not a ton, but he is running the same year that Poland cars is going to be running for re-election, and Poland cars needs to win Chicktawaga if he wants to be county executive. So they are going to be supporting Brian Nowak, at least to a certain degree, because they don't want to lose that. Brian, a couple years ago, when uh, Burke moved up to the assembly, was interested in taking over the, that ledge seat, and they said, no, 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 it's Tim Meyer's turn. And, you know, but Brian, he, like, he, didn't, he didn't make a, a, a huge fight out of it. He didn't make a, a big deal out of it. He said, okay, I need to work within the committee and get everybody so that I, next time that there is an opening, I am the person that they choose. And that happened. That happened. It happened. So, Will, obviously, uh, we are big fans of Brian's here. We are big supporters of Brian's, so you'll hear more about this race. But, Jim, you mentioned our, our fine governor. Yes. Yes, Governor Hochul. Governor Hochul picking fights. So fighting, dumb. Fighting Kathy. So dumb. 
So dumb. Dumber than dog shit. <laughs> Governor Hochul. Uh, Governor Hochul. If you are not abreast of this story, listener, Governor Hochul has decided to, against all guidance, I would say, of really the vast majority of the party here in New York State, decided to nominate to replace, uh, uh, was it Di Fiore? Yeah. Andrew Cuomo's extremely conservative pick. So a little bit of history. Jan Di Fiore, Andrew Cuomo, friends. Mm-hmm. She switched to the Democratic Party, I think, right after uh, Governor Cuomo was voted in as governor. So Judge Di Fiore's reign, incredibly leaning right, yes. right, for the past decade or so. And it seems like Kathy wants to keep with that trend for whatever reason, to her own detriment. Yes. She, has, she had an opportunity to pick off of the list of recommended uh, individuals um, that she had to pick off of. Some people who would reframe the court much further left and redefine and do stuff like and stick up for the people who supported her to, to win re-election for unions, unions, right? Who is she is just absolutely infuriated um, and for, you know, you know, private citizens for, you know, and, you know, she made she made a big deal about during this election that like I'm going to make sure that I stick up for you know reproductive health and I I am a, a true progressive and then her very first thing she does after winning re-election is pick the most conservative options she possibly can and ensure that the court would be right well and more importantly going against the senate like picking a fight that there was no need to pick with the senate she's basically She's she's trying to be Andrew Cuomo without any of the clout that Andrew Cuomo had. Yeah, well, I mean, right. I mean, because she didn't win, she didn't win super convincingly. Like she beat Lee Zeldin, but it was close. Like like we talked about in our recap, um, she did worse than a generic Democrat should do in New York State. So she underperformed. More moderate Republican might have won that race. Yeah, a Chris Jacobs might have won against a Kathy Hochul. So she underperforms. She ended up, as opposed to what I thought, I thought she was going to leave a bunch of money in the bank. She spent almost all of her money. So she's got like no money as opposed to like Cuomo or Spitzer before him who were able to like, you know, just be ascend to the governorship and not have to spend all their money. So not only did like, did they win these overwhelming majorities so that they had a mandate, but they also won with tens of millions of dollars in their campaign account so they could influence people. She squeaks through, and it has a couple hundred thousand dollars left over. She's not buying anybody off with for favors there. And then, yeah, you're right, Ree. Like, she's got no reason to pick this fight. If she picks somebody who is even like, she doesn't have to pick like one of the three most like left most left individuals on this list. She could have picked somebody who was a little bit center left, which who and that would have been enough to redefine the court to be center left. Oh yeah, and. It would have sailed through the Senate, and she would have got some goodwill from some of the more leftist members of the Senate to maybe help her out when it comes to budget time and other priorities that she may have. Now, fuck her is basically like their their opinion. Like, you had no no reason to do this. We have a supermajority in both the Assembly and the Senate. We don't need you. And 
you know, there's been continued calls for Jay Jacobs to step aside as leader of the Democratic Party, and she's doubled down, just like she's doubled down on LaSalle, she's doubled down on staying with Jay Jacobs, and they're like, we don't need him either, because right. he didn't do anything. And now she's, so she's, she's guaranteed herself that she will not be governor again after this term. That, I think that I think that's really pretty, you think I, so. I, I, think I, that, I think so. I think that's pretty fair to say that this is her only term as as governor. If, so, if, so someone primaries are out. I I think that they'll convince her not to run. Okay, right. I think they convince her like this is your you congratulations, you won. Now go live on a nice farm upstate with a family. Now, in case you're wondering, and there's there's a lot to that, Jim. Um, but in case you're wondering, like, hey, all right, why are people so up in arms about Hector Lasalle? You know, what, what's the deal with this guy? You might actually be wondering why is Kathy Hochul standing by him so uh, adamantly? I don't know. But I will tell you that the uproar over Hector LaSalle, so I'm pulling this from uh, the New Republic piece. Kathy Hochul will do everything to force an anti-union judge onto New York's highest court. All right. So uh, LaSalle's record on issues including abortion, criminal justice, and labor would have massive implications on the already conservative court. Those seem like pretty big issues that you might want to have somebody uh, in line with your values on the court, by the way. Over a decade ago, so over a decade ago, the uh, New York State Attorney General launched an investigation into potential fraudulent practices being carried out by an organization that ran so-called crisis pregnancy centers, which pose as real health clinics but are actually run by anti-abortion activists. LaSalle voted to intervene hindering the probe by preventing investigators from reviewing even promotional materials from the centers. In 2014, LaSalle joined an opinion holding that a criminal defendant could not appeal his conviction of a weapons possession charge because he knowingly waived the right to appeal when he entered a guilty plea. However, when the defendant entered the guilty plea, he was told by the trial judge that he could still appeal certain constitutional issues. And indeed, he was, he was seeking to appeal his conviction on the basis of a constitutional issue. He claimed that he was subject to an illegal police search. Nevertheless, LaSalle signed on to the majority opinion that denied the appeal. In 2015, LaSalle voted alongside a majority opinion, allowing cable television company Cablevision to sue union officials who were criticizing the company. Ooh. Contrary to legal precedent, that protected organizing workers from such corporate lawsuits. In other words, LaSalle upended state legal precedent in favor of a company and against workers. He's so, garbage. So, if all that didn't convince you that, you know, Hector LaSalle might not be the one for you, if you're a listener to the show and probably a member of the Democratic Party, I don't know what to tell you. But Kathy Hochul is standing by her pick. You know who she should have picked? Yukon Cornelius. Oh. Callback time. He's too busy being the fleet manager. Uh, or or maybe the next town and chief to walk a supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, look, Kathy Hochul is planting her flag firmly in the ground here. Uh, this is the hill that she's willing to die on. And Jim, for the life of me, I don't understand why. I, I, I don't get it either. And and the thing is, she's going to die because it, it's not going to pass. He's, he's not going to get approved by the Senate. Not happening. He's, when, Wednesday's the hearing, the Senate hearing. Wednesday, right? Wednesday's the Judiciary Committee he, yeah. hearing. I've got a better chance of being becoming the new uh, Chief Justice <laughs> of the Appeals Court than Hector LaSalle does. So, uh, like, she's pissing off her, all her allies, including the, I mean, including the unions. Like, wh however you feel, whatever, like, 
to be a power broker in New York, to be the governor of New York, you need the full-throated support of unions, uh, the union apparatus, yeah. especially if you're Kathy Hochul and your election against Lee fucking Zeldin was a lot closer than you would have thought, and it drained your bank account. Um, and, and, and it drained the union's bank account because they you kept going to them, asking them for more money, because I'm gonna because Lee Zeldin's going to be obviously anti-union. I won't be. I'm your friend. And the very first thing you do is poke them in the fucking eye. Jimmy Mahoney of the Iron Workers Union, the general VP, uh, spoke. He came out and he uh, said, you know, Team Hochul, he helped her get elected when the phone rang and she needed more money. And he said, hey, this stinks, Kathy. This is not good. We don't want this guy in the courts. He's very bad for us and what we're doing here. Um, to which Kathy Hochul's response was to pull his uh, pull his seat from the state of the state. Wow. Revoked his RSBP. Wow. Said, nah, you're not coming to my little speech. Yep. So, as many have pointed out, is a Cuomo style tactic without actually being Andrew Cuomo. Right. It, no, it's it. She's she's very much trying to big dog everybody, but she doesn't realize that she's the little dog. She's she's the earnest. She's she's not, <laughs> you know, uh, the shape shifting badger. And and again, like I'm just help help me game this out, Jim, because look. Politicians, for the most part, they're pretty. They they usually are pretty damn good at reading the room. If they're somebody as adept at being a political figure like Kathy Hochul, right? She's usually you would think you get to that point and you understand like, all right, things are shifting. I, I Andrew Cuomo didn't. That's that was what I was about to get at. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Is like, is that is that governorship? Is it so? Do you end up so megalomaniacal? Yeah, I, I when think you get there? The, that's uh, it's got the air that circulates in the governor's mansion. It's just your own farts <laughs> over and over again. Um, I but I think I do think one of the things with with Hochul is that like outside of the her term as county clerk, she was generally in the legislative branches, not an executive. So she, there, it's a different power dynamic if you are a legislator or, and you're just one of a group than it is when you're an executive. And she didn't have any power as lieutenant governor, even though she was part of the executive branch. I mean, the lieutenant governor doesn't matter, right? Who's the lieutenant governor right now, right? Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, It's Yukon Cornelius. It doesn't matter. Uh, but she thought that she was stronger than she is, and she overplayed her hand. She thought, like, well, they'll give, I just won. They'll give this to me. And you know what? Maybe she would have even had a chance. If when everybody said Jay Jacobs sucks and we got to get rid of him, and she was like, "Yeah, you're right, he sucks. We got to get rid of him," and she'd given them any bone at, at any point, but instead she just keeps like like going over to like Alessandra Biaghi's house and like like you know kicking her dog every time she gets a chance. Like it's it's crazy that like she's she's going around and like and, and like pissing off Salazar as fast as possible. I'm just wondering what countervailing force is so powerful that. Kathy Hochul is basically just given a giant middle finger to the state Democratic Party apparatus. Um, I, the, the one thing that, that Hector LaSalle has going for him is that he would be the first Latino to to oversee the appeals court. And I'm sure that is part of you know her calculus is that she, she thinks that that would get her support from the Latino community. I don't know that it would. Uh, you know, that's a community that you know, doesn't vote wholesale as a block. It's, it's, you know, as we've seen in Florida and Texas, um, that that's a demographic that does swing sometimes and vote for the Republican party. Doesn't always vote in the democratic block. And, you know, and, and if they do, uh, when they do vote for the Democrats, 
um, they tend to be a little more conservative, like a, like a Hector LaSalle. Um, not always, you know, but like generally, like if you're making generalizations about the demographic, like, yeah, sure, because they tend to be more Catholic or more conservative religious. They, they tend to be more religious than your average uh, Democratic voter um, or Democratic Party member. Um, and, you know, I think she thought that, like, well, this would be good because, you know, look, you know, New York State has one of the highest populations of Latinos in the United States, like, for a state outside of, like, the, the West and Southwest. So, like, it makes some sense to try to appeal to that demographic if you're the governor and you want to be more representative and you also want to get votes. And, like, and, you know, it, I, I'm trying to give her, like, as much of a benefit of the doubt that it's it's not purely about trying to get votes for her and get support, but that she also wants, you know, like, that the court should be representative of the people of New York. But the thing is, who the fuck ever gave a shit about the courts before this, Jim? Well, that's the thing, is that the courts don't fucking, nobody cares. I mean, like, it, or people care just a little bit. You know, like, she could have picked Shirley Troutman, and we could have had our first, like, black female uh, it would have been much, head of the much better court. pick. Yeah. Something else has got to be going on here, or else Kathy Hochul is oh. just... Well, we've seen what, what the effects of having this court was this past election. <laughs> Doubling down with an ace showing. With the gerrymandering. Right. Yeah. I mean, the appeals court is why, you know, basically the Republicans have control of the House of Representatives now. It's bad. Because they pick the Republican special master to redraw the congressional seats. Here, here's the thing. Given the list of potential judges that, like, that were the, the uh, commission gave forward and she had to pick somebody from that list. If Carl Palladino had his choice, or if Lee Zeldin had one and had his choice off that list, they also would have picked Hector LaSalle. <laughs> That's who they would have picked. Yeah. Like, hands down. Right. Yeah. Like, it, like, it, like it's, that's not an exaggeration. Like, it is 100% who they would have picked. And Kathy Hochul was like, sign me up. Can't wait. <laughs> well, yeah, but, yeah. we haven't used that in a while. Yeah, but we, you know what else we haven't used? This is what the Senate's saying. Request denied. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Speaking of the fallout of Andrew Cuomo. Oh, oh, we cannot escape him. He is, you know, he, <sighs> he, he is with us in our hearts, mm-hmm. um, you know, eating the family meal with the, the meatballs. Yeah. The spaghetti, the spaghetti, right. uh-huh. you know, looking like um, with the Elon Musk at the, at the other end of the table. Right. L- looking like the dude from Lost Highway. <laughs> <laughs> with no eyebrows uh, it's really uncanny it kind of freaks me out actually you mean the guy that ended up murdering someone in real life did he really yeah yeah who is that guy most is like oh it was uh robert something or other robert uh he was in beretta right yeah yeah he, he he's like a murderer yeah. yeah 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 he yeah he went to jail for oh, murdering robert, robert blake yeah. robert blake yeah, yeah 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 god that makes it so much even more yeah. creepier yeah Jeez. man he was a real piece of shit mm-hmm. wow yeah well anyway andrew cuomo <laughs> somehow uh somehow worse uh than a convicted murder um andrew cuomo back in 2013 you might remember this guys when all the rage was you know we're giving money to the companies we said hey come, the buffalo billions come to buffalo we got billions of dollars we got billions of dollars and you know what we're gonna hand it out to uh companies that are gonna help the environment they're gonna help spread the local economy solar panels jim we love our solar panels around here. We love them so much that we're going to drop a fucking shit ton of money. We went. We just went like 11 days without sun. And yes, we love our solar panels. We love our solar panels. So, Tesla. 
Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. They said, we'll take your money. We'll take your money gladly. And we'll build the solar panels. We'll do it. We love Buffalo. We want to spur your local economy. More importantly, we love your money, state of New York. So it turns out, guys, they took the money, but we really didn't get much by way of solar oh, panels. Let's credit Investigative Post for, for this, right. this breaking story. This story, Investigative Post, J. Dale Shoemaker's story in the Investigative Post, and we highly encourage you to read it. And we, we also highly encourage you, like, when you're not signing up for our Patreon and giving us money, also sign up for Investigative Post and give them money. Yeah, give them money. They they do they do the good work constantly. It's always like honestly some of the best fucking reporting that you're going to see around. They're really here. they're really crushing it lately. Mm-hmm. I just got to say that. They're fucking blowing it out of the park. Yeah. Oh, I didn't you know, speaking of speaking of reporting, knocking not to, it out of the park. Not not to not to backtrack, but we I didn't even mention on that um the Hokel story, the Buffalo News just being absolutely oh yeah the buffalo news will leftists make things impossible oh, for the left's attacks may sink sake. governor kathy hochel's chief judge pick yeah but are they true that was aaron besecker's story i'm sorry chris bragg's story in the buffalo news right it stinks anyway the investigative post much better news outlet much much better uh researched here they found out that Less than a quarter of the Tesla plant's workforce is engaged in solar-related manufacturing, and work stopped completely half of last year. As a result, there's been none of the promised spin-off development. Jim, are you shocked? I, I, I mean, seeing how Elon runs Twitter or ran Twitter before he was forced <laughs> out the building, uh, not shocked in the least. I'm actually shocked that like the buildings even has anybody working there. That there's anything, I mean, this is a guy who you know like ran Twitter as, uh, you know, as it was stated on uh, line, basically walking around chewing on all the wires and seeing which what things turned off. I guess they had API problems this past week, which is not great. That the wheels are falling off Twitter. Yeah, let's yeah. just put it that way. Um, so I'm, I'm not surprised. Like I also w- heard that like. You know, that their solar technology was like the chemicals were so bad that like other companies came in and like, you can't do you can't use this. Basically, like they're like, hey, what if we mix lead and asbestos and like taped a plant to it? Will that be a solar panel? This isn't like a small amount of money. Nine hundred and fifty nine million dollars to build. That that's self- almost enough for a football stadium. That's almost enough for a goddamn football stadium. <laughs> It's almost seriously like and that huge swath of land in South Buffalo. Right. Where the plant is. They said, hey, okay, we're Tesla. We're, you know, we're building rocket ships and fucking solar panels. And, you know, we're going to do all this good. That plant, it, read the article here, but like not, there's almost none of its workforce is dedicated to solar panels. The solar panels are trash. All the work there is pretty much being devoted to the car manufacturing for the shitty cars. Right. And soon, as soon as they're going to all be Twitter employees. They would, been, they would have been better off giving us the money and the land for our podcast studio. Absolutely. Even, you know what? Even a tenth of it. Yeah. We would have done it. No, they would have been, they literally would have actually been a better outcome for the economy if they took $950 million and they said, well, there's 900,000 people in the city of, uh, in, in Erie County. We'll split the money evenly. You all get like $100. Yeah. It would have been better for the economy if they just, to, it would have been. To, 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 Give us at all $100 stimulus. So if you're wondering, okay, fine. It all comes out in the wash. They're not making solar panels. It turns out that we pretty much just gave Tesla 
a huge boon just to have Elon Musk piss away his money on Twitter. If you're like, hey, uh, it's bringing good jobs into the area, right? Well, per the article here, most of the jobs at the Tesla factory these days involve work related to Tesla's electric vehicles. Many are entry-level desk jobs that require only a high school diploma. Okay. About 500 jobs, nearly one-third of the current workforce of uh, 1,636, so 1,600, give or take, are those entry-level desk positions in which workers label images from the company's self-driving vehicle software, merge signs, turning lanes, pedestrians, in an attempt to train the autonomous driving algorithms. They, they need to label pedestrians more. If, if, I, if everything I've read about those self-driving vehicles are they need to up the uh, label of pedestrians because... They, they tend to run people over. The rest of the auto-related jobs involve the assembly of charging equipment for Tesla cars. So it's like, all right, yes, you are you have people who are labeling for pedestrians that Teslas are just running down. These are not the jobs. These, let me put it this way. These are not the kind of jobs where you're like, yes, here's a billion dollars. Did, it, to, to paraphrase Obi-Wan Kenobi, these are not the jobs we were looking for. <laughs> Could you imagine if Tesla made the droids from Star Wars? <laughs> they probably they would they wouldn't there wouldn't be seven sequels because like Luke Skywalker would have been dead in the first movie, right? Yeah, droid malfunction, right? Yeah, it's, it's, as soon as he gets into his, his self driving uh, racing pod, it immediately crashes and drives over like six like uh, pedestrians. So the jobs are crap. There's no, and the article here goes into it. There's no spin off development, but. Think about it. Like, you give a billion dollars, a billion dollars. That's what we're bitching and fighting and moaning about with the stadium is that kind of money. You're expecting a huge payoff. You're expecting, like, okay, we're going to have jobs. We're going to have a whole corridor. I can't go to the Tesla factory and watch a sports event. But you should have people working at the Tesla factory say, okay, um, I'm out of work. I'm going to go across the street to the bar. I'm going to go to the stores right. that are popping up. You're supposed to have like a whole corridor that builds off that. That's why you pay that kind of money. It was ostensibly for solar panels. Right. We now know Andrew Cuomo didn't give a shit about solar panels. I don't, even, I don't even think he ever really thought about a solar panel in his life. But he was like, all right, let's launder a billion dollars to Tesla mm -hmm. because, you know, they're going to give money to my campaign and, you know, whatever. We'll cut him a and huge good check. Press. Right. Good yeah. press. Instead, what you got is a Tim Hortons <laughs> across the street. Mm -hmm. And that's which, it. Which probably would have opened up anyway. Right. The, the fish and chip spot even moved. Yeah. Didn't even stay there. Right. They were going to open up an entire, like, fake English village. And they were like, wow, oh, this area sucks. Yeah. We can't, can't even get a solar panel. Uh, you might be able to watch sporting events, sporting events, in quotation marks, at the Tesla factory because if they're all entry level jobs that pay nothing, maybe like they might have them like fighting over like leftover donuts. At, like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, Tesla not. fights. Uh, I don't want to see that. That's that's my that's Elon. Call me. That I've got a new YouTube channel for you that so you can you can make money off of Tesla fights. Yeah. So I, I encourage you to read the article because it goes way more into this about how New York State dropped the ball how Tesla is basically just taking our money mm -hmm. and kind of laughing in our faces. It just, it's just amazing to me that, you know, the Buffalo billions thing. And I thought it was stupid as hell at the time. I think everybody with two brain cells to rub together was like, Hey, okay, we're going to give a lot of money to these corporations with a hope wish well, and a dream. Well, I, I, I think that like the Buffalo billions could have been maybe been good 
if they had divvied the money up more as opposed to going like, well, if we get this one silver bullet, I mean, that's that's been like Buffalo's problem for like the last 50 years, right? Like we're going to build a signature span peace bridge. We're going to get Bass Pro. We're we're going to we're going to get Tesla. It's, it's oh, one silver bullet's going to save the as opposed to like if they split up the billion dollars 10 ways, 100 million dollars for 10 different companies and a little bit of a shotgun approach. If like six of those companies give you better than your return on investment, you did way better than the billion dollars you gave Tesla. Yes. Way better. And, you know, and maybe you can, you invest in something like Austin air, right? A local company already. And you like, you don't have to give them a hundred million dollars. Maybe you give them $20 million. But like you, you get a massive return on investment that way. Or like I said, you know what? Just send everybody in Erie County a fucking check, right? Right, and this and, is, oh, and, then, and then and then and then make sure that like the the state is investing in FanDuel because that's where all that money would have gone anyways. You too could be a Caesar. <laughs> Listen, we're as cynical as all get out here. So we, I, I don't want to put aside the fact that this was earmarked for solar panel production, and now they uh, they don't make solar panels, yeah. and they really haven't ever. You know who is uh, the uh, general manager of that solar plant that's right frank stallone frank stallone well talking about obscenely rich guys not not as obscenely rich as elon musk granted but or frank stallone or frank stallone but you know we have our own we have our own local rich guy actually he's not local from buffalo originally but he's ours now yeah he's our doug you're one of us right you doug yeah it doug buffalo style jamal (laughs) buffalo He's embraced the Buffalo style lifestyle. Right, yeah, it's it's when like when he's walking around like Seneca One, it's just like you get to see like packets of blue cheese falling out of his pockets. <laughs> we love him. We 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 love we we you know we love him. We hate him. But my guy, hate him. I don't love him. Most a- mostly a- hate him at all. Okay, okay, fine. We mostly hate him. But every once in a while, Jim, we unfortunately find ourselves on his side. Yeah, that's can't help it. Um, he he wants to uh, redo. Uh, he's he's redoing that that property at Bidwell and Elmwood, uh, where he's keeping the facade, uh, but he, and he wants to add an additional floor. And the property owners in the area are, are going nuts. Like, you can't have density in Elmwood. That's of course where you should have density. And he doesn't want to make it like he wants to add one floor for fourteen more apartments. I don't. That seems like a pretty reasonable ask to me. Like, I, I, there's no off-street parking along with this building. It's not like 1111 or whatever that, that number is, like the corner of Forest and Elmwood, um, where there's, like, the underground parking garage and, and there's the off-street parking. There's no off-street parking. So, like, I understand people are like, wow, uh, it's, it's going to be hard for me to park around here. All right, well, you're the one who bought a house in Elmwood Village. It wasn't. It was easy to park earlier. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, that's why you live in that neighborhood is because it's, it's the same thing as, like, when those people were complaining about, like, Acropolis. Acropolis. I was just about to say that. Right. Yes. So, like, that's why you live in that fucking neighborhood. Right. So if you don't remember this, a few years back, as Jim referred to, Acropolis on Elmwood was planning to basically, like, expand more into, like, a nightclub mm-hmm. space, like, which for a Greek diner, I think that's a very strange choice to make, but sure. Right. They were going to, you know, have it be a dance club uh, type of place at night. And the Elmwood Village Association pretty much put the kibosh on that. Um, you know, the residents in the Elmwood Village 
citing their concerns that oh you know we want our neighborhood to be quiet and peaceful and right they got the people on like ashland who was like it backed up against to be like oh well my my quiet neighborhood i was like your quiet elmwood neighborhood get the fuck out of here like that's uh, it's so crazy like that would that always that NIMBY mindset is so fucking ridiculous i hate it i mean and you know like and especially like the the elmwood neighborhood like the elmwood district and like hurdle especially are areas where we need more medium to high density housing because rents are getting out of control there and you know like like i saw somebody was like arguing like oh what we actually need is more single family housing oh yeah well instead of like 60 units where people can actually afford to live in the elmwood village we need one more one million dollar home like like like, uh, speaking of million dollar homes i don't know if you guys saw uh thurman and patty thomas bought a house on linwood for a million dollars I saw that. Saw it? Wow. So I, my my first instinct is like maybe after all these years living in Elma on Chair Factory, Thurman and Patty Thomas were like, we wanted to live in the city. I, I believe their <laughs> kids are all out of, out of the house now, yeah. so they don't have to worry about public schooling because I think their kids went to like Iroquois or something like that. Yeah. But also it, it sets off alarms to me because Thurman has been more politically involved. What office is he running for? Sure. And we'll, we'll we'll obviously keep an eye on that for you, listener. But to go back to this thing with Jamal, to go back to Elmwood Bidwell, uh, part of their stated mission, whether or not they mean it in earnest, uh, is to attract. So they want to expand. They want to build apartments. Some of the residents' concerns uh, they cited were, oh, the parking in the Elmwood Village is going to be worse. Guess what? It already fucking sucks. So you've been dealing with that for at least 20 30 years get over it um but the project manager on this said hey look we want to bring in young people who don't necessarily have cars who want to have it be a walkable community we've done this in other cities we want to adhere to the city of buffalo's green code so we want we want to bring in people who will be walking and make this a walkable neighborhood uh to which in this meeting that they were at people laughed at him Oh, wow. Right. I, well, that's the thing is like, wow. oh, it, it's going to make parking a mess. Oh, so what you want is you want to push to invest in public transportation? Oh, no, we don't mean that. You fucking pieces of garbage. Fuck you. Move to East Amherst where you want to live. Move out to move out to where you actually want to be, where you don't want to be around people. Right. Go, go do that. Because if you actually wanted to live in that neighborhood, you'd be like, this is what we need. Right. Right. I mean, look, the Elmwood Village has been frankly it feels it's been kind of stagnant to me like there in the sense that like there is so much there is so much fruit that could be growing on that tree there's so many businesses the lone bastion is the thirsty buffalo in your opinion right in 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 somebody's opinion (laughs) the best part of elmwood is the thirsty buffalo that may be the owner of thirsty buffalo i don't know if even they think that right but it may be no, look, the Elmwood Village, we know it's it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It is one of the jewels of the city that really draws people in, but it needs more population density. It needs to be more right. of a business district. Well, it needs more population. Like, if there is anywhere where, like, you could or should build, like, a 10 to 12-story apartment building in the city of Buffalo, it should or would be, like, the Elmwood Village. Because you could rent it all out and you'd be you'd be able to pack it. Right now, the only place you're able to do that is downtown, which 
I, I also see some people are like, oh, well, those downtown apartments are empty. I don't think they are because every time I go downtown, I see fucking people walking their dogs and I don't think that all of them are bringing service dogs to work with them. I think people live downtown now. Uh, I think I, I, if they didn't, if people weren't living downtown, you wouldn't see people continue to put new more apartments in because all these people can't be that stupid. And I don't think Bray Miller Market would be closed by now. But but I, if you wanted to like build a brand new ten story building, because you know downtown they're just reusing buildings. If you wanted to build a brand new ten to twelve story building, like fucking Elmwood, probably at the corner of Bidwell and Elmwood, actually in particular, would be where you'd want to build that building. We know Doug Jamal is not doing this out of the kindness of his heart. Okay, we are we're not marks here. All right, right. we we get it. Doug Jamal, it's it's, it's not municipal housing. It, it, I don't think that there's that there's anything reserved for like below market rate for low income housing. You know, he's he's doing this obviously to make money. You know, like could you imagine like that uh, that apartment complex that it that does have like below market rate housing at the corner of Utica and Elwood now? Can you imagine if they tried to build that in Elmwood right now? People would lose their goddamn minds. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, they would fucking uh, shit their dicks, as you like to say. Right. People, people would. Yeah, and, and, and not they the good would. type of shitting of dicks. No, That's right. No. No. Like, look, Doug Jamal, he's doing this to make money. But he's identified the market is to cater to people who want to do the behaviors that we're trying to encourage. Have a walkable community. Have young people come in, an influx of young people who will spend money, spend their disposable income in the city of Buffalo. And these fucking fossils. This is what the youths want. Well, the, but the other thing is, and, and I know Doug Jamal doesn't want this, but one of the things that it's a, it's a byproduct of it is by having medium density housing like he is proposing, it, it actually helps keep a kind of cap on rents in that neighborhood. The more additional housing that we, you know, we've heard doctors Jason Knight and Russell Weaver tell us on this very show that we need more medium and high density housing, especially in the popular neighborhoods in the city of Buffalo to keep rents down, right? The rent is too damn high. We did an entire fucking show about it. And one of their things was like, well, we need more medium and high density uh, housing in these popular neighborhoods to keep rents down. If Doug Jamal wanted to make as much money as possible, he would be doing like high end apartments. These aren't high end apartments. They're going to be about market rate and they're going to be like medium, medium rent apartments. They're not going to be like, these aren't like, like I said, uh, that, that building that they finished or, or just about finished with at the corner of Forest and Elmwood. I don't know if you've gone online and looked at the, how much they're asking for those, but those are fucking obscene, you know? Or even like the apartments in uh, the old uh, Lafayette Pres, Lafayette Presbyterian Church, where like they've yeah. turned a bunch of that into like apartments. Those are incredibly nice and also very expensive. What we need is more medium and high density housing. You know, anybody who thinks we need more single family housing in the city of Buffalo is crazy. If you yes, there is so Looney much. Single, there's so much single family housing in this area. If somebody wants single family housing. They don't necessarily want to be in the city, or almost invariably they don't necessarily want to be in the city, or they have so much money that they don't care where they live in the city. Yeah. You know, like or, or you can you can you can go anywhere and do this, but you can I, go to East Aurora, dude. Like you uh, listen, you, you can go to South Buffalo, right? You can go to, yes, you can go pretty much anywhere if you if that's what you want. I'm just saying, if you want your idyllic, you know, quiet but quaint. 
uh, somewhere out of the fucking Gilmore Girls type of location. You've got that in spades in a lot of the suburban locales. Parts of Williamsville are like that. Like I said, East Aurora, even parts of Hamburg are like that. Right. Like you can find that somewhere else. I know maybe you've been living in, you know, in the Elmwood Village your whole life and, you know, our family's been here. Okay. It's the city of Buffalo. The city needs this. It's time right. to. Uh, also, look, I know that the, the, the Elmwood Village is a cool neighborhood and I grew up here and I've been living here my entire life. But if somebody said, that's why I want to live here, but replace Elmwood Village with Lancaster, you would make fun of them. Yes. So maybe, I don't know, broaden your horizons, move to the Lower West Side, be a different person than your parents. Be a different person than your parents. What about Long Island? Well, I man, now Long Island is quite the place. <laughs> and, and it has has a great, great local connection, right, Ray? It has a wonderful local connection. Because around here, you know, look, the politics game, woof, it's, woof. A, it's a mugs game, okay? You, you go in, you don't really expect to win. You just try not to lose too much, okay? But some... Some among us have mastered the politics game, all right? You got to be in a world for, full of betas. You got to be an alpha. You got to be a, that's right, a big dog, right? Uh, you got to be a big dog, Jim. Better than the alternative name for his consulting firm, Baby Huey. You cannot be a Baby Huey. You got to be a big dog. That's right. Wait, who, who's bigger, a big dog or Baby Huey? Baby Huey is pretty big. That was the joke. Right. Well, yeah. Well, so, so is Chris Grant. <laughs> he's he's big of personality. He's, he's, a, he's a big person. He, he, uh, Chris Grant's like six foot three, six foot four. Huge buffalo. Washington. Washington. Washington, yes. He's six foot 20. He's a fucking ton. <laughs> but he's a big dog. It, it is what it is, guys. We, we know Chris Grant of big dog consulting is a big dog and he decided to well align with everybody's new congressional member from downstate from long island george santos if that's your real name we're not quite sure don't know and and i think it was the new york times reported that big dog prior to signing on and working with george santos was given the full disclosure of everything that he was lying about, which everything, uh, everything. Tur- turns out to be pretty much everything his entire life was not a uh, <laughs> was not a scholarship volleyball player at Baruch College. Did not have his mother die in nine eleven. Uh, again, may not be named George Santos. Right. I mean, uh, like uh, he lied so much that Notre Dame thought about hiring him to be their head football coach. <laughs> <laughs> a George O'Leary joke in twenty twenty three, Jim. <laughs> Okay. Wow. Uh, but and Big Dog was like, yeah, no problem. We'll work with you anyways. We we, yeah. we we can't work like like look. We worked on the failed Karen Housley campaign. You can't embarrass us. No shame in the game. Hey, the, do the do the checks clear is the most important mm-hmm. thing. And uh, yeah, Santos, which they do, and nobody knows how. Nobody knows where all this money is coming from that George said because he never he never had any of the jobs like he like he said that he worked for like Goldman Sachs and they're like no he didn't. I have a theory on this on the Santos guy because you know you look at their Twitter feeds and you're like you you see people saying well why didn't the Democrats do even the smallest amount of opposition research on this guy 
because otherwise they would have known this would come to light. My, my little conspiracy pet theory here, guys, is that they did do the research. They knew exactly what was going on with this guy. And they thought it would be better for them to fundraise and pillory this fucking loser in public. If he were a, a, a congressman, I, if, if Jay Jacobs wasn't so incompetent, I might think that it was true. But the state Democratic chair is maybe the worst chairman that the state Democrats have ever had. And I don't think he is that clever or could think that far ahead. I, I, I'm not I'm not sure if you if you ask like Jay Jacobs, like, hey, what's 11 down that he'd be able to be like, I can't I, I, I'm, I'm only on one down. I can't look at the, the other clues. <laughs> well, all right. You got to teach the controversy. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. Right. But this guy is uh, clearly not what he says he is. But Big Dog, no, we don't care. Right. We don't fucking care. I have a quick story about, about Big Dog. Oh, hell yeah. Let's Here go we for go. it. So uh, when I worked for the county legislature, uh, Big Dog was working. He was a junior staffer for Elise Cusack. And him and, and Marty Cusack, Elise, Lisa's husband, were going to start a uh, consulting firm. And they were going to call it Election Force. Wow, that's in your face. And and I said, I said, I hope you guys have like red, white, and blue spandex because it sounds like, like, a, like a, a C team, like superhero team. And it was so embarrassing to them that they cha- decided not to call it Election Force because I, I I made so many jokes about the fact that that their idea for a consulting team sounded like like a, a C list superheroes. Wow. Woof 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 woof. There's the Jim Tamil connection. Yeah, there's the Jim Tamil connection. Yeah, I've known the, Chris the Grant. Di- the Diamond Jim connection. A Diamond Jim. I've known Chris Grant for twenty years at this point. And uh, he's he's always been big baby hooey dog. Woof, woof. Well, guys, that's this week's episode of the Square Podcast, Buffalo's premier podcast of big dogs, of Doug Jamal, Yukon Cornelius, Yukon Cornelius. Yes, and that's right, Frank Stallone. If well, I got to ask you guys before we end on the George Santos thing, it seems like the New York Republicans are are in concert against him. Like what are his odds and his turn? Oh well, yeah. You what know, are the odds for re-election? You, you know, because like you're the politics guys. They, they do know. N- they no re-election. I don't think he 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 lasts the year. I think yeah. they they try to force him out. They'll they'll give him a position. He'll probably become like fleet manager of the snow team <laughs> in Long Island, and uh, they'll, they'll they'll get him to resign because re is right that the Democrats are making a bunch of fundraising off of this and, yeah. and making a bunch of money, and also because he won the election. They get to pick a Republican to replace him. Yeah. So they can pick somebody who isn't like an embarrassment to them. Somehow he is Lauren Boebert, not an embarrassment. Marjorie Taylor Greene, not an embarrassment. Matt, I like children Gates, not an embarrassment. But George Santos, he's an embarrassment. Indeed he is. Indeed he is. We'll have to ruminate about that one and why. Right. Well, we'll keep an eye on the the George Santos situation, and more. But thanks for joining us at The Square Podcast. You can find us on our Discord, as we referred to earlier, uh, The Square Podcast Discord, where we're always bumping. It's always very lively. Lots of fun, goofs, gaffs, etc., etc. Also, if you really like us, you'll love us. You want to just spend your 
little hard-earned dollars that you you worked at the Tesla factory. You can find us in public and give us a firm handshake. You can find us in public and give us a firm, firm handshake where you slip the bill mm-hmm. in your hand, <laughs> where you kind of palm it mm-hmm. like your uncle did, you know, when you were a kid. Right, yeah. Or... Here's a Washington for for shoveling my driveway. Yep. Wow, well, well, thanks. A, a big Washington. Or thanks, you, Uncle Diamond Jimmy. You know, or if you're in the digital age. Uh, I always give cigarettes out. <laughs> Here's a performance cigarette for, for plowing the driveway. Buffalo style. Buffalo style cigarette. Buffalo style. If you want to give us Buffalo style money, you can do that. I'll take it. Via Patreon at the Square Podcast. You search us on Patreon. You sign up. You support us. You give us the goods. So we love you. We appreciate uh, all your support. We appreciate your money, more importantly. And, uh, yeah, we're recording this right before the Bills versus the Miami Dolphins playoff game. Joe they Bills. Made, they made the playoffs. The Bills made the playoffs. So did the Dolphins, in case that's who you're referencing. They made the playoffs. <laughs> right, yeah. They uh, both made the playoffs. Right. Uh, the, uh, the Bills, uh, overwhelming favorites So did today. the Buccaneers. But <laughs> Buccaneers made the pay- playoffs. Uh, the so, so did the Chargers, but they didn't uh, stay for very long. Oh. Hey, uh, uh, no, the, the Bills overwhelming favorites today uh, because uh, the Dolphins are being led by somebody named Skyler. Yes, yes. Uh, so, like the the uh, the Bills Vegas line, I think is like fourteen point favorites. Five thirty eight Elo and ESPN's FPI have the Bills as like twenty two point favorites. So, listener, in the future, you know exactly what happened, and hopefully we're all celebrating together when this episode drops. Right. So, go Bills. Go Bills.